Well, hello there and welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Hey friends, Alicia here. Thanks for joining us for today's tale of marital misadventure. In honor of sorority rush happening everywhere. Oh. Today I am bringing you the radio song of Rush Limbaugh. Quite the talker. Quite the talker. For our purposes, three trashy divorces and a whole lot of trashy scandal. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste any time. Let's go ahead and... Go, go, go. Oh my, Rush Limbaugh was the most listened to talk radio host in the United States of America. His conservative talk show brought in 15.5 million listeners every week at its peak. Rush was also one of the most controversial and divisive radio show hosts. At the height of his popularity and influence, Vanity Fair said that his position with conservative Americans was comparable to Oprah's position with women, saying they both wield, quote, concentrated and extraordinary power. Unquote. Hmm. Some use theirs for good and some use theirs for evil. Uh, I mean, it's all the same. Not only was Rush Limbaugh on the radio for over 40 years, he tried his hand at a lot of different things. He had a syndicated television talk show from 1992 to 1996. Rush will launch his own line of neckties and was a New York Times bestselling author and even had a brief stint on ESPN as a professional football commentator. He was definitely known for stirring up drama and feuds in the political landscape, but for our purposes here, his personal life wasn't smooth sailing either. Good. He got himself into quite a few sticky situations, and again, fortunately for us, he had three trashy divorces and a whole lot of trashy scandal. Let's do this. Rush Hudson Limbaugh III was born January 12, 1951, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. This would make Rush a Capricorn man. Rush is born into a long line of conservative politicians and lawyers, but Rush has zero interest in higher education or law school. Rush knows from a very, very young age he wants to be a radio star. When he was nine, he got a toy radio as a gift, and at this point, begins to pretend to be hosting his own shows. In addition to talk shows, he would also pull out his own records and entertain his family by playing DJ. Rush wants to do one thing from the beginning of time, and that is to be on the radio. Well, it's good to have a dream. It's funny, the things you want to do when you're little, they're the things that you might end up doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Rush would later tell the New York Times that being on the radio was all he ever wanted to do and he hated being in school. He says, My mother would be fixing me breakfast and I'd be listening to the guy on the radio. He'd be having fun and I was preparing to go to prison. School. Ah, gotcha. (laughs) Young Rush Limbaugh would turn down the television volume during the St. Louis Cardinals baseball games and offer his own play-by-play commentary. He also gives his own running commentary during the nighttime evening news. Mm. Early training for later career. Rush is going to get his first job when he's 13. He works as a shoe shiner at a barber shop. 
and after he proves his work ethic, Rush's dad will get him an internship as a DJ. How does this happen? Well, it's at a local radio station, which dad co-owns. Well... Nothing like a little nepotism. Sure. So at the age of 16, Rush Limbaugh was finally on the real radio airwaves. Celebration of a dream. After high school, Rush does attend Missouri State University, but he will quickly drop out in order to pursue his dreams of becoming a radio talk show host. Like you do. Like you do. So let's talk about Rush's early career After getting fired from a few stations in Missouri and Pennsylvania for being a little too controversial, Rush lands at KFBK in Sacramento, California in the mid-1980s. Within a year, Rush is hosting Sacramento's top-rated radio show. His success continues to build through participating in several political events in the 80s. The Reagan presidency was, of course, the perfect backdrop for Rush Limbaugh's star to rise. No big surprise, Rush was a huge fan and supporter of Ronald Reagan, and Limbaugh informs his listeners about Reagan's agenda and promotes his policies. In 1988, Rush Limbaugh's show moved to New York and becomes a national broadcast. He had hoped to become mainstream popular like Dan Rather and Peter Jennings, but that never really happened for Rush. However, his influence and popularity among conservatives continued to grow. In 1992, Rush read a letter from then-former President Reagan on air which said, quote, you become the number one voice for conservatism, unquote. Idolizing Ronald Reagan the way he did, this is a really proud moment for Rush Limbaugh. In the early 90s, Limbaugh releases two back-to-back best-selling books. The first, The Way Things Ought to Be. The second, See, I Told You So. By the mid-1990s, Rush Limbaugh was part of the cultural zeitgeist. His controversial talk show had made him a very wealthy man and given him incredible influence over American politics. Rush will appear on The Late Show with David Letterman in 1993, And David Letterman, a previous Trashy Divorces profile, asks Rush, Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and just think to yourself, I am just full of hot gas? (laughs) Rush replied, it's a really just incredibly classic sentence here. Rush replied, I am a servant of humanity. I am in the relentless pursuit of the truth. I actually sit back and think that I'm just so fortunate to have this opportunity to tell people, What's really going on? A servant of humanity, Rush Limbaugh. He is not uh, very humane to his wives. Let's go ahead and get into his first marriage. Roxy Maxine McNeely. This marriage is 1977 to 1980. So long before the country knew his name, Rush had already married and divorced two times. His first wife was Roxy Maxine McNeely. They married in 1977, having met a year before when they had been fixed up on a blind date. Roxy spoke extensively with Paul Colford when he was writing his unauthorized biography of Rush Limbaugh, published in 93. Roxy says, He was a lot of fun. He could talk the entire evening away. He would draw you out, find out what your interests were, and then start arguing with you. Mm -hmm. 
Because I was just back from New York City, there were a lot of New York jokes from him. How could you live there? Or he'd say to other people, she has no opinion, she lived in New York. It was certainly ironic when you think that he ended up there himself. These two lovebirds were married September 24th, 1977 at the Centenary United Methodist Church in Cape Girardeau. Roxy said, It was huge. All his family was there, plus about half of Cape Girardeau and the other towns around. Rush at this point is kind of frustrated by his career. He was working as a public relations executive for the Kansas City Royals, which was not what he wanted to be Mm -hmm. doing because he wanted to be on the radio. Before too long, things weren't going well in his marriage either. In 1993, Roxy tells the Seattle Times, We just sat down one day and decided our marriage was over. It was mutual, nothing ugly. Hmm. We're done. Three years in and out. Okay. In March of 1980, Roxy filed for divorce, saying they were incompatible. Rush doesn't oppose the divorce and agrees to let the court hear Roxy's case without being notified further. So on July 10th, 1980, Roxy and her attorney were in the courtroom without Rush there present when the judge granted their divorce. That's something, not even to show up for your own divorce hearing. I guess he expected, and it sounds like this was borne out, that she wasn't going to be arguing for money or whatever, so... No, she said, Rush and I just took each thing that we owned in the house, and whoever had it originally took it. Mm -hmm. I think we left as friends. So kind of amicable. That's... Yeah, that's actually a pretty good divorce. Roxy's done a lot of thinking about the dissolution of their marriage, and she explained her perspective this way. (laughs) I don't see him married with kids. He devotes so much time and energy to what he does that there's nothing left for anyone else. Hindsight is always clearer. But I just don't think he has the energy for a relationship. We were just getting started. Two people that ended up together. Now, looking back, I think he was happier on his own. Relationships are hard for Rush. People are hard. I can believe that. Marriage number one, done and dusted. We're going to take a quick break here, and we are going to come back with marriage number two. See you on the flip. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Now, remember Rush working for the Kansas City Royals? Unhappy. He's still working, though, for the Kansas City Royals when he finds his wife number two. Michelle Sixta, at the time as a college student, working as a stadium usherette to pay her tuition at Central Missouri State University. 
Initially, Michelle Sixta is not impressed with Rush. She tells the Sacramento Bee, I thought Rush was arrogant when I introduced myself to him. He heard I thought that and later came over to apologize. He'd clown around in the press box. You knew who he was. Now, Michelle, sweet Michelle, she's studying graphic design. She's 10 years younger than Rush when they begin dating. Obviously, the romance blossomed because in 1983, at the tender age of 22, Michelle Sixta married Rush Limbaugh at the Kansas City Royals Stadium Club. Seems right. It is the year after this marriage takes place. So in 1984, Rush gets his major break in radio at KFBK in Sacramento. The couple will move from Kansas City to Sacramento, where Rush's career really does take off. According to the Rush Limbaugh story by Paul D. Colford, an associate of Limbaugh's during that time said, Michelle was a very attractive, energetic woman who preferred to be out. She totally subordinated her interests to his. Her role in life was to say, yes, Rush. It seems like that is something he would like in a person. Well, this dynamic of the marriage was odd to onlookers because it seemed that Rush was simultaneously selfish and egotistical, but also in awe of his wife's beauty. His producer at KFBK, Kitty O'Neill, said that Kitty one time showed Rush a magazine ad once showing a beautiful model with long legs. And Kitty O'Neill just comments like, it's impossible for anybody to look like that in real life. Rush at this point disagrees with Kitty and says, Michelle looks just like that. Well, at least he thought his wife was hot. O'Neill then goes on to tell Colford, although he was almost completely self-absorbed, it was obvious that in his own way, he worshipped her. Now, in this marriage, reportedly, Rush would rarely participate in fun activities with Michelle. He never wanted to enjoy the sunshine or outdoors, even though they're in California. Rush instead chooses to work all of the time. Even when he was at home, he was on his computer. In 1986, so this is three years after the marriage, Michelle begins to, you know, express some dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. with how things are going. Mm -hmm. Rush's fame was quickly growing, and Michelle was pretty unhappy being in the shadow of that instead of forging her own career. Michelle also feels housebound because of his lack of interest in any hobbies or activities outside of work. Michelle then begins to get embarrassed by Rush because he is becoming a little bit more and more overweight. So when they would go to events together, people would kind of do a double take at the couple because Michelle is thin and beautiful. Michelle notices this and says to someone at one of these events, (laughs) everyone wonders how he got someone as beautiful as me. Oh my God. Well... I wonder what Michelle's astrological sign Mm. is. Anyway, these issues do not improve when the couple moved to New York City in 1988 when Rush's show goes into syndication. Michelle actually participates in some of those early broadcasts, but not everyone could tell that Michelle was his wife because their interactions were stiff. They were unnatural. People thought that Michelle was his publicist, not his spouse. Hmm. To make matters worse, 
Michelle doesn't know anyone and she doesn't have a social network in New York to sort of help her acclimate. The couple will divorce in 1990. So Right, because he's a serious homebody and, you know, yeah, that's that doesn't sound great. Only lasts seven years. In the documentary Rush Limbaugh's America, his brother David Limbaugh says that Rush didn't want to end either of his marriages, but he believed that Rush was, quote-unquote, set in his ways, and his sedentary lifestyle and workaholic ways were the reasons why his two wives didn't want to stay married to him. In that same documentary, his mother, Millie Limbaugh, said, I can't imagine what it would be like to be married to him, but I've always thought that Rush just needed a good old-fashioned girl like his mother, but I don't think they're that way anymore. I think he needs a wife subservient to him, but now that's not the way it is. There's a lot of cultural implication yeah, in this story, right? Rush Limbaugh continued to be a radio star amongst his audience, and with his fame, his rhetoric gets even more brazen, and his comments, especially about feminazis, those were fun days, get more and more outrageous. What term did you use not long ago? Conflict entrepreneur? I did. This works he, for Rush. He's an OG conflict entrepreneur for sure. OG. His audience and fame keeps growing. Amazingly, I don't know if you remember this, many restaurants across the country opened Rush Rooms where his fans would assemble every day to listen to the show together. Did they not have jobs to be at? Sitting in the back of that IHOP, cigarettes and pancakes mm -hmm. and some Rush Room Limbaugh. He was particularly popular, Rush was, with evangelical Christians. So Rush gaining in some fame, his fame, his rhetoric, his conflict entrepreneurship is growing. But on the other hand, his opponents are getting a little bit more outspoken as well. During the Clinton administration, Rush was one of the most divisive figures in the American culture. His comments about Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton both were particularly offensive to many folks. But hey, let's swing on back, because we need to get Rush married again so he can go through his third divorce. Let's meet Marta Fitzgerald. So despite reports that his divorce from Michelle was difficult for him and takes a real toll on his ego. Rush Limbaugh was still willing to try his hand at love and marriage again. This time, his bride <laughs> was an aerobic instructor and aspiring journalist, Marta Fitzgerald. Sounds like he's he's got a bit of a type. This whole story is just such a 90s flashback. Mm -hmm. Marta and Rush meet through the old online computer service CompuServe. Yeah, remember well. In 1990. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Marta emails Rush, and after communicating in email for a while, they arrange for an in-person meetup. Apparently not problematically for Marta. She was married with two kids oh. when she started her relationship with Rush Limbaugh. Ideal. Ideal. So this is 1990. <laughs> They flirt, they meet. Marta will divorce her first husband in 1992. Marta and Rush are friends for a little while. They date. <laughs> it seems Rush took this relationship a little slower than he did with his first two wives. 
Well, he had to wait for her to get a divorce. <laughs> those pesky, pesky items. Mere mortals worry about those things. I mean, Rush Limbaugh was a lot of things, but apparently not a bigamist. <laughs> Eventually, their relationship does get serious. They decide to get married. Again, another one of the reasons we do this show. Rush Limbaugh and Marta Fitzgerald. Married in 1994 at the home of... You want to guess? Antonin Scalia. So close. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, who oh. officiates the wedding. I think I had recently read that. Okay. The couple will live in an oceanfront compound in Palm Beach, Florida. I've got a little bit on this coming up in Spiderwebs at the end. Rush will buy this home to broadcast his show from Palm Beach. He refers to his studio here as his quote-unquote Southern Command. Not to be outdone, Marta has big ideas. In 1998, she'll launch her own magazine for teenagers. It was called Vent. (laughs) Unfortunately, the Vent venture ended after only three issues. You know, a vent is also where hot air comes out. (laughs) In 2001, Rush makes a shocking announcement. And what is that? He says he'd gone deaf. Mm-hmm. He was diagnosed I remember this. in May 2001 and told his listeners in October that he was almost entirely deaf as a result of an autoimmune inner ear disease. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. He had lost 100% of his hearing in his left ear and about 80% of his hearing in his right ear. Tragic. So that was the end of his career, right? No. He'd been relying on a teleprompter and his staff's help to understand his callers. In person, Rush also becomes very adept at reading lips. When it becomes his only option, Rush does have a cochlear implant placed in his left ear to restore his hearing. And in January 2002, his listeners rejoiced when Rush announced that he was able to hear his own radio show. Quote, for the first time in nearly four months, via a medical marvel. Unquote. So Marta and Rush were the toast of conservative society for nearly a decade. Then they abruptly announced their marriage was ending and they would divorce in 2004. So they were married about 10 years. Okay. Rush would announce the divorce on his radio show without giving any more information. His publicist released a brief statement saying that the Limbaugh's had, quote, mutually decided to end their marriage of 10 years and have separated pending an amicable resolution, unquote. I feel like there's more to that story. We're going to get there. The couple would finalize their divorce in December 2004 with a 22-page settlement agreement. One of the only public parts of the settlement was that Marta could no longer use the last name of Limbaugh. As part of the settlement, she had to return to her maiden name of Marta Miranda. They were both really tight-lipped about the reasons for the separation. But Russia's family didn't really seem too fond of Marta in the way that they had liked Roxy and Michelle, his first wives. After the divorce, Marta doesn't keep in touch with any of Russia's friends or family as his previous wives had done. So there is some speculation that there are some tensions there that may have contributed to the dissolution of this marriage. There was a pretty major issue going on with Rush Limbaugh during the time of this marriage to Marta. 
just a year before their divorce that was made public by the National Enquirer, that Rush Limbaugh was addicted to prescription painkillers. This National Enquirer story was followed up by Rush admitting to that issue and going to rehab. Then, Rush would be investigated for doctor shopping, but there's more to come on all of that. These problems, doubtlessly, had an impact on the marriage of Rush and Marta. Don't worry about Rush, though, (laughs) because at the time of the divorce from Marta, Rush was already dating CNN anchor Darren Kagan. Remember this? Many speculated this couple would soon marry. But despite those rumors, Darren Kagan does not become the fourth Mrs. Limbaugh. Lucky her. They broke up in February 2006 after two years of dating. Now is probably a great time to take a quick break, hear from some sponsors. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit more about Russia's prescription drug addiction, him being arrested on a few different charges, as well as meet his fourth wife. (laughs) And we will be right back with that. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Bravo, bros. Good job. So let's back up the bus a little bit, bring in the going deaf thing, bring in the drug addiction thing. It is in 2003 that Rush Limbaugh was embroiled in a national scandal. This does thrill some of his political enemies, but... To be fair, drug addiction is really tough. It is really, really tough. And Rush, pretty brave-ish here in how he does own and take some accountability. Let's talk about this. It was revealed in 2003 that Rush was addicted to prescription painkillers. He had begun to acquire them illegally. One of his housekeepers came forward and reveals that Rush had been paying her to get him opiates. Rush, for his part, does not deny the story. He'll admit on air that he had become addicted after a failed spinal surgery six years prior. He will also disclose that he had gone to rehab twice before and had relapsed after each attempt. On his radio program, Rush tells his listeners that he would be checking himself into a treatment center again immediately following the broadcast. He starts the show this time by saying, You know, I've always tried to be honest with you and open about my life. I need to tell you today that part of what you have heard and read is correct. I am addicted to prescription medication. Rush said that he was not making any excuses and that he was, quote unquote, no role model. Going on, I refuse to let anyone think I'm doing something great here. When there are people you never hear about who face long odds and never resort to such escapes. They are the role models. Because Rush was a part of a bigger investigation into black market prescription painkillers in Palm Beach County, Mm -hmm. Rush doesn't give more information, saying at the present time the authorities are conducting an investigation 
and I have been asked to limit my public comments until this investigation is complete. Asked by my lawyer. (laughs) I will only say the stories you have read and heard contain inaccuracies and distortions, which I will clear up when I am free to speak about them. Yes, brave-ish, I believe you said. Rush Limbaugh's addiction does spark a much-needed national conversation about the issue that would become the opiate crisis. Does it? Because when he came back, he announced that he had not gone squishy, don't worry. I I don't know that it sparked the conversation you may think it sparked. Dr. Drew Pinsky, an addiction specialist and frequent television commenter and previous host of Celebrity Rehab and Sober House, Drew Pinsky was interviewed on a lot of shows about Limbaugh's addiction at the time and Drew Pinsky tells CNN that if Rush was addicted to OxyContin, quote, we're really talking about opiate addiction. The withdrawal is miserable and painful, and it takes a long time to recover. The disease is insidious. It's a progressive disease, and when it progresses, the house of cards falls, unquote. Now, back to your point earlier, Stacy. although... Rush had blamed going deaf on an autoimmune disease. Research has shown that abusing opiate-based painkillers causes profound hearing loss. Apparently, Rush Limbaugh had been warned of this side effect and knew that going deaf was a possibility for him. Rush Limbaugh can't stop, won't stop. He will get a very brief job at ESPN for like half a minute. He'll become an NFL commentator in 2003. Making his childhood dreams come true. Well, it turns out to be a really short-lived gig. Rush is forced to resign after he makes some comments that many folks consider to be racist. He made a remark about Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb Mm -hmm. being overrated because the media was, quote, very desirous that a black quarterback Mm -hmm. do well, unquote. Rush has really been helping the culture move forward for a long time. Although agreeing to resign, Rush doesn't apologize for his comments and defends them as merely his observation of the media coverage about McNabb's success. And of course, it doesn't have anything to do with him being a racist. Right. It's totally separate from him being a racist. Let's go ahead and move along to the part of the story that is Rush Limbaugh arrested on drug charges and doctor shopping. Hmm. So Rush making this public admission and going to rehab doesn't end his problems caused by drug addiction. It is in April 2006. This is three years after all of those revelatory things in 2003 that Rush Limbaugh was arrested on prescription drug charges. Rush turned himself in after a warrant was filed charging him with fraud to conceal information to obtain prescriptions. Rush was accused of doctor shopping or illegally deceiving multiple doctors to receive overlapping prescriptions. This is a really just a colossal number. Authorities find that Rush had received about 2,000 painkillers prescribed by four different doctors in the span of six months. I feel like when I've gotten pain medication after like dental stuff, you, you get like a several day supply. It's, it isn't like you get a 90 day supply. That's, that's a, that's a give, lot of pills. If you're lucky to get anything, they're going to give you some Tylenol 3, pat you on the butt and tell you good luck. Mm-hmm. So doing the math there, 2,000 pills Mm -hmm. over six months, 180 days, 
you're looking at 11 prescription pills every single day. Oh my God, no wonder he got significant side effects. Rush again does not deny his drug addiction or illegally obtaining the prescription drugs, but adamantly denies the charge of doctor shopping. His lawyer said, Mr. Limbaugh and I have maintained from the start there was no doctor shopping and we will continue to hold this position. <laughs> Did he send the housekeeper to do the doctor shopping <laughs> instead of him? Like, come on, dude. Russia's spokesman Tony Knight assured the media that Limbaugh's plea of not guilty was all part of an agreement. Quote, it's not in the system moving towards trial. It was all a formality. It's a concluded deal. Unquote. When some of the details of the deal were released, it was revealed that Rush Limbaugh had agreed to continue treatment from the doctor he had been seeing and pay the state $30,000 to offset the cost of the investigation. The deal also stated that if Rush stayed clean for 18 months and didn't violate any other laws, he would be cleared of that fraud charge. In response to the agreement details, Rush's attorney said, The agreement that we entered into makes good common sense. The idea is to help the person overcome the addiction. There should be a recognition that people in Russia's situation really should not be prosecuted. I agree with that. I mean, that. I totally, yeah, it's, it's too bad Rush didn't believe that about everybody else. Weird, right? I do have a bit here. In 2012, there was a whole controversy with Sandra Fluke. Mm-hmm. We're going to hold on to that for the spider webs at the end, along with that little Palm Beach house thing. Sure. So a little bonus bit for patrons. So yeah, Patreon folks, stay tuned at the end for that. I really want to go ahead and get rushed to that fourth marriage. Mm -hmm. This one is to Catherine Adams. This one does last from 2010 to Rush Limbaugh's death. So Rush Limbaugh and all of this drug shopping prescription doctors, he doesn't let any of his troubles from marrying for the fourth time. Rush had met event planner Catherine Adams in 2004 at a charity golf tournament she had organized. Rush was going through his divorce from Marta at the time. Rush and Catherine were together about six years before marrying in a lavish Hawaiian-themed ceremony in Palm Beach on June 5th, 2010. At the time of their wedding, just go ahead and run down some ages here. Mm. Rush was 59. Okay. Catherine was 33. Hmm. Well, at least she was in her 30s. Prior to the wedding... Rush appealed to the media, emailing a statement requesting privacy. Quote, we try to live our lives as normal people. We do not seek media attention. <laughs> we do not want it, especially for this. It is very special, obviously, and we just don't want any media attention. Now, one of the most surprising parts of this wedding was its performance by Sir Elton John. Elton John was reportedly paid $1 million to play at the reception. And this certainly seems an odd pairing, but yeah, there is... wouldn't have done it. ...a little more to the story. So apparently Sir Elton, previous Trashy Divorces alum, mm -hmm. and Rush Limbaugh met at a hotel in Hawaii when they were both on vacation. Rush Limbaugh was briefly hospitalized during that trip and later found out that Elton John had asked about his condition. Rush Limbaugh talked about it on his show. When Catherine and Rush get engaged, Catherine specifically requests 
that Elton John perform, and the couple reaches out to the legendary performer. But prior to asking him, Elton, to perform, Elton received an invitation to the wedding. Sir Elton John's husband, David Furnish, tells People Magazine in 2010, To put it in Elton's exact words, when he got the invitation, he was a little surprised. And then when it turned out to be a genuinely sincere invitation, Elton said, Life is about building bridges, not walls. Maybe if I can make a great impression, people might change their perspectives on life. It's a choice. When the couple reached out to Elton John's agent requesting him to perform at the reception, the agent said to Elton John, Well, I know you won't want to do it. How do you want to handle it? Sir Elton John surprised his agent by saying, Oh, no, no, I do. I most certainly want to do this. Not everyone saw this gesture as an olive branch or mending fences. Prominent gay columnist Michael Musto said, quote unquote, Elton's just a whore. But Elton John defended his decision, telling the New York Times in 2014, I've been sober for 24 years now. And one of the best lessons it taught me is to listen. When it comes to people like Rush Limbaugh or people who might enrage you sometimes, dialogue is the only way. You have to reach out. During their marriage, Rush and Catherine co-authored a series of children's books called Adventures of Rush Revere. The books are meant for middle grade students and focus in on American history. I bet. All five, I bet they do. All five books in the series were New York Times bestsellers. It is in January 2020 that Rush realized that his shortness of breath and other symptoms were the result of lung cancer. In early February 2020, Rush Limbaugh tells his listeners about his condition, saying, I can't help but feel I'm letting everybody down with this, but the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. My heart's in great shape, ticking away fine, squeezing and pumping great. It was not that. It was a pulmonary problem involving malignancy. So I'm going to be gone the next couple of days as we figure out the treatment course of action and have further testing done. But as I said, I'm going to be here as often as I can. It's about 10 months later, October the 20th, 2020, that Rush Limbaugh will reveal to his listeners that his cancer was terminal. He revealed that recent scans had shown progression and that his cancer was moving in the wrong direction, quote-unquote. He says, You measure a happy life against whatever medication it takes. At some point, you decide, you know, this medication may be working, but I hate the way I feel every day. I'm not there yet, but it is part and parcel of this. It's tough to realize that the days where I do not think I'm under a death sentence are over. We all know that we're going to die at some point, but when you have a terminal disease diagnosis that has a time frame to it, then that puts a different psychological and even physical awareness to it. The next day, President Trump awarded Rush Limbaugh the Presidential Medal of Freedom during his State of the Union address. Rush Limbaugh sat next to Melania Trump, who put the medal around his neck, with President Trump saying, In recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you do for charity, I'm proud to announce tonight that you will receive our nation's highest civilian honor. 
Early the following year, 2021, it is February 2nd of that year. That was the last time Rush hosted his radio show. On February 17th, 2021, Catherine Limbaugh, Rush's fourth wife, announces that her husband had passed away, saying Rush will forever be the greatest of all time. Rush was an extraordinary man, a gentle giant, brilliant, quick-witted, genuinely kind, extremely generous, passionate, courageous, and the hardest-working person I know. From today on, there will be a tremendous void in our lives and on the radio. Rush Limbaugh was 70 years old at the time of his death, and when he passed away, Rush Limbaugh was worth over $600 million. So his final wife is very well taken care of. Oh, so well taken care of. That Palm Beach house that they bought for paltry $4 million was recently sold for $155 million to William Lauder, grandson of Estee Lauder, out oh. in Palm Beach. That home, we're going to talk about it more on Patreon, mm-hmm. along with the Sandra Fluke controversy. Stay tuned at the end of the episode for that. It's real estate and political scandal, all of our favorite stuff, Stacey. It is. As for trash cans. All of them. All of them. All of them filled with radios and... Conflict entrepreneur. I feel like the uh, CNN reporter who did not marry him really, like, came out ahead in this. Yeah, that quote from the mom was real telling. Mm -hmm. Rush just needs to be worshipped and adored. Sure. No mouthy broads. Maybe Rush was a little mouthy himself, too. As trash cans go, I have no idea. There's a lot, a lot of marriages, a lot of talk talk in his radio song for Rush Limbaugh. Stacy, you're going to be back this weekend with a different kind of trashy divorce. Oh, yeah. Ripped from the headlines. Ripped from the headlines. Kind of excited about that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today and sharing your time with us. Don't forget, patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces will get you in on those bonus ups along with early ad-free episodes, dumpster dives, bonus divorces, and all that good stuff. If you're looking for a little bit more listening in your Thursday agenda, be sure to check out Trashy Royals. We are rolling with the lustiness of Queen Victoria and Prince Albert this week. Plus the various fascinations of uh, sort of the population of Victorian England. Pretty fun stuff there. Done and Done has officially launched the Heiress Tour. So if you are into heiresses through time, Done and Done releases on Monday. You might enjoy that as well. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We want you to have the most magnificent rest of the week. Keep it so trashy. Keep it above board. Patrons, sit tight for your bonus segment and... Until we meet again, friends. Keep those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, friends. Big love, everybody. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy, Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. 
and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.